If you'll open your Bible to the book of Acts, if you do not have a Bible with you, that's perfectly okay. You may have come from work and whatever, but there are Bibles in the pew rack. If you'll just turn to your pew rack, I'll be reading that out of the New King James Version, So, and that's what's in the pew rack, so I think we can all follow along. Now, I want us to begin. If you notice the title, for those of you that are watching not here, uh, what I'm talking about tonight is that we need uh, we need more than excitement and enthusiasm. Now, <laughs> we need excitement and enthusiasm. And when you go to church, you know, it, it, there needs to be excitement and enthusiasm. But we need more than just that. And I'm going to show you tonight uh, how I came to that conviction. Now, if you look with me in Acts chapter 1, these first, these first verses, uh, just imagine yourself as being one of the disciples. And Jesus is now uh, emptied that tomb, and he's in that 40-day period where he's talking to the disciples, where he's doing some things before he ascends back to heaven. Can you imagine how they felt? They thought he was dead, and now here he is alive, and they're seeing with their own eyes. It's just almost unbelievable. The excitement, no doubt they had. The enthusiasm they no doubt had. In Acts chapter 1, it says, the former account I made, O Theophilus. Now you say, who's Theophilus? Well, remember that old Dr. Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Acts, and he also wrote the gospel, named the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now, if you go back in in uh, you don't need to turn now, but you might want to make a little note. If you go back in the Gospel of Luke, this person, Theophilus, is described as, oh, excellent Theophilus. That's in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. And that little word, excellent, was only used for high-ranking people, like a governor. So this man, Theophilus, was some high-ranking, authoritative person. And he's writing, he says, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, look, during 40 days. So from the resurrection to Jesus' ascension back into heaven. Of course, this Wednesday night group would well know this. Forty days took place because Jesus yet had some things to do to prepare his disciples to carry on the work that they would need to carry on without him. And so it says, he, he, during these 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we'll come back to that in just a moment. Now, you know, I just try to think, well, how I would have felt. I mean, you just go to Holy Land. Jesus, of course, has, has been gone from the Holy Land a long time. But when you just walk where Jesus walked, and you get out on the Sea of Galilee, and you see the empty tomb, you see Golgotha, uh, you see the Mount of Beatitude, you see all these places, you just have an excitement built up in you, an enthusiasm. But what Jesus knew was, they would need more than excitement and enthusiasm. We all do. The problem is excitement and enthusiasm do not have staying power. Have you noticed that? Like sometimes you'll get excited about something, you'll be enthusiastic about something, but like 
It, it won't be forever. It's, it's kind of like, you know, it has its ups, has its downs. Well, Jesus knew what was ahead for these disciples. And he knew that excitement, enthusiasm was not enough. He certainly knew that their excitement, enthusiasm over what they were now seeing, he alive again, uh, had no saving power, none whatsoever. You know, like I can come out here with all the excitement in the world, all the enthusiasm in the world. But excitement, enthusiasm, never will convict a lost sinner. Never, never. It takes more than that. You need that. You can't help but be excited when you talk about the things of God. But you need more than that. You see, Jesus knew that when he left, uh, they, they would need something more than that. And, of course, that's why he had promised his disciples that there would be one like him when he left, that would come. And that one, of course, you and I know, is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you'll take your little midweekly and turn back with me in the Gospel of John. I want us to look in the Gospel of John first. And they're going to put these verses the, where they are so you can jot them down. In John chapter number 7, I want us to see the promises that Jesus had made to the disciples about when he left there would be one coming that would be like him that would enable them to do what they need to do even in his absence. Now, it's interesting. Either the Apostle John remembered those promises better than the other gospel writers. Whether that be true or not, I have no way of proving that. But one thing about it, Almost he alone is the one that records the promises of the Holy Spirit. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And in those four Gospels, John has far more to say about this promise of the Holy Spirit than either of the other three Gospels. Now, look with me in John chapter 7, and look with me down in verse number 37. It says, on the last day, uh, that great day of the feast, talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a feast where the, the, the Jewish people engaged in a water-pouring ritual. So now get that in your mind. He's talking to his disciples at this feast, the last day of it, and they were having this ritual where water was involved. And, he, and here's what Jesus had to say to them in verse, he says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. In other words, the the spiritual application, if, if in your life you ever feel that you are in a spiritual desert, or you perhaps feel like that, you know, spiritually you're parched. We all sometimes feel that way, just dry. You say, what in the world, what's happened to me? Well, that's a sermon for another time, but Jesus said, look, if in your life you, you, you reach these times, he knew what they were going to be experiencing that you think you're in a spiritual desert or a spiritual, you're just parched. He said, here's the solution. Come to Jesus. Come to me. And he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, did they understand all that? No, I don't think so. How could they? But they later would experience it. And then he goes on to say, uh, but by, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Now, not yet. Not yet. 
Now, the, I'll get to it in a moment about the Holy Spirit has existed. In fact, I'll talk about it tonight even before the beginning. But the Holy Spirit, of course, was manifested in his fullness on the day of Pentecost. He said, look, here's what you're going to receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That is, uh, he was not yet crucified and resurrected. When the Bible talks about Jesus being glorified, talking about his crucifixion and his resurrection. So when John is writing these things, uh, that has not yet happened. Now, turn over in John chapter 14. In your Bible, you, uh, you have these verses. You can jot them down. And then later on, maybe go back in your Bible and, and uh, mark them so you can go back and read them again. In John chapter 14, look with me in verse uh, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, I don't know what translation everybody has. Uh, yours may say comforter, uh, may say counselor. The New King James says helper. But underline that little word, another, A-N-O-T-H-E-R. That comes from a Greek word, A-L-L-O-S, which means another of the same kind, you know. Like, you know, we can always, something, we can lose something, say, well, I'll get another one. But sometimes, well, I want one just like the one I had. So you have to go try to find that. So he says, look, I want you to understand something. Uh, I'm praying to the Father, and he's going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, did the disciples understand? I wouldn't think very much at all. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, when I leave, when I go from you, God the Father is going to send another just like I am. I'm divine. He too will be divine. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, if the word, and I should have turned it in to put it, you can write this word down. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's a very, very important word. It's a Greek word called parakletos, like P-A-R-A. -A. That's the first part of the word. And then the root part of the word is kletos, K-L-E-T-O-S, parakletos. Now, we're reading out of our English Bible, but, but it's talking about, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, that little prefix part, P-A-R-A, you, if you're writing this down, this would be worth writing down. It, it simply means alongside. So parakletos, P-A-R-A, what does that mean? It means alongside. If P-A-R-A is on any other Greek word, it's going to be alongside every time. It's going to mean that. Now, kletos, K-L-E-T-O-S, means one called. So parakletos, uh, one alongside, one called. Now, when you put those together, para and kletos together, and that's what is translated as helper in our English Bible, uh, it, it simply means one call to stand alongside another. So what are you saying? The disciples says, look guys, I've been with you all this time, but I'm going to be going from you, but don't, don't fret. God the Father is going to send another allos, allos, of the very same kind, and he's going to go right along with you and we'll read in a moment where Jesus said, oh, you're going to be better off when I'm gone than you've been with me with you because the times I've been with you, I'm with you when I'm with you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, wherever you go, 
walking right along by your side is going to be one to help you through whatever you go through in life. Now that would be, you talk about a good sermon, that in itself is a good sermon, and I must move on, but to think that as we live our lives as Christians, whatever we go through, and sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm alone. I prayed with a lady this morning. Oh, Dottie had asked me to call her in another city, a, 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 a new widow lady in another city. By the way, she watches on streaming when she's not able to go to her church. And last week, she sent a very gracious gift to our church just to say, you, you people minister to me, and I want to I do what I can do. And I actually was calling her to thank her for the gift. But I, and I did, but she, she began to share with me what God had done uh, in her life since 1990. And, and she, she laid it, and that's the most beautiful thing I ever heard. But see, I, I would think as a widow or a widower or a person who lives alone, you know, you know well, they're alone. Well, they're not really. They're not really. Dottie and I were in a home last night with another person who's lost their mate. And now for the first time in many, many years, this person is alone. Well, but they're not alone. And, you know, and I reminded them of that. And they say, well, I know that, but it's not the same. Well, no, it's not. But as time goes on, uh, God has a way of filling that void. Well, I must get off of that. I'm, I'm, uh, it's beautiful. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So when you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart, what happened? God the Spirit came to dwell inside of you. Now, sometimes people say, well, I certainly don't feel like I have that, that inside of me. Well, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that in a moment. Now, look in John chapter 15, verse number 26. Very quickly, we must move. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper, parakletos, there it is again. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Now, that's one way if you know someone's really filled with the Spirit. You know, there's, all, there's this movement out here in religion that, uh, you know, they, 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 they want to say, well, if I'm full of the Spirit, I'm speaking in tongues. Well, they're, what they're saying is, if I'm full of the Spirit, look at me. Folks, listen to me. The Spirit never magnifies anything but Jesus. That's it. You know, the, the one that whatever they say, man, I'm in the Spirit. Well, the fact they said they're in the Spirit, they're not in the Spirit. If a, if a person's in the Spirit, they're so, they're so focused on the Spirit, they're not even thinking about they're in the Spirit. They're thinking about Jesus. He always, he always testifies of me. And then quickly in John chapter 16, now, we look at these promises Jesus had made. The old apostle John is reminding us in verse 7, John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Do you think they understood that? Well, absolutely not. He said, guys, I'm going to be leaving you, and you're going to be better off than you are with me staying. He said, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you, this, this paraclete, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, whatever you're trying, all those words are trying to get a handle on that one Greek word, parakletos, 
But now we've already learned what that means. We have the Holy Spirit. He comes to walk right alongside us to be our friend and help us through whatever we go through in life. Look down in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's one thing the Holy Spirit does. He guides us. And look in verse 14. He will glorify me. He didn't glorify himself. He glorifies him. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Well, the disciples of Jesus, this is what he said. He said, obviously, they were enthusiastic. They were excited. But they needed to be empowered to preach and to share the gospel, ultimately all over the world, as believers are to do, you and me. But they were going to need, they were going to need the Holy Spirit in them, empowering them. And we'll deal with it in a moment. But so many times people, when talk about the Holy Spirit, they think, well, we're just talking about a, a, a power or we're talking about an influence. Well, the whole, there is influence and power. We'll deal with it in just a moment. But it's, it's, it's more than that. And we'll deal with it. And they needed that to live the Christian life. They needed that to encourage them. And we need all three. <laughs> Each one of us. I do. You do. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do whatever we try to do for God. Even this morning before I made that phone call, they knew exactly what time I was going to call. I was going to call it 15 minutes to 8 o'clock. And I bowed my head and said, God, now help, you know, help me to, to, to just know how to say what I need to say. And I just felt like that, that I just could feel the Holy Spirit helping me listen to what was being said and know how to respond as he would want that would help. And then to live the Christian life. The disciples needed the, the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, to live the Christian life. So do you. So do I. All of us do. And to encourage them. Sometimes we all get discouraged. And the Holy Spirit is what encourages us. Now, that said, if you'll take your uh, midweekly that you have, we have some little blanks we're going to fill in and move right along. First of all, as we think about the Holy Spirit, and I think this is going to be the fun part right here tonight. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person, not just an influence or power. Now, that's big. I wish you'd write that down. The Holy Spirit is a person. You know, the old King James, I grew up with the old King James. And as a little boy, I'd be in church and the preacher would be talking about the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not in any way being disrespectful to the old king. I'm just, I still can remember as a little boy, when he talked about a ghost, it made me afraid. You know, well, in the newer translations, it doesn't use the word ghost. But I fear, I, and then sometimes people speak of the Holy Spirit as it. You know, it, you know, do, do they have it? I have it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not it. The Holy Spirit is not power, even though he has power. He's not just influence. No, no. He is a person. And that is so very important that we understand that. And, and when, it, when, we, when we understand that, this whole idea, you know, there's this idea in, in, in Christianity that, and I hear it preached by some, that, you know, what, what we need to do is we need to get more of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. Listen, people, what the Holy Spirit needs to get more of you and me. Yeah, you know, 
when we pray and ask Jesus to come into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart. And, I mean, that is that. Now, what he needs and what we need is how I should say, we need him to have more of us, you know. It's not like, well, I, you know, I need a second blessing or a third blessing or a fourth. No, what I need to do is confess my sins and, and, and get my life right. And then the Holy Spirit would have more of me. And the more he has of me, the more the person of the Holy Spirit will, through me and through you, his power, his influence. And, oh, anybody that teaches a Sunday school class goes through this experience often. Every one of us who preaches, I mean, I mean, you, 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 can, you can prepare and study and get up here or wherever and preach, but without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is very dependent on our relationship at that moment. You know, if, what is my relationship at the moment I'm preaching with God? If, if there's unconfessed sin in my life, there's a bad attitude in my life, or if there's worry about something or fear, whatever the sin might be, it, I, I mean, I'm, the sermon well may be crafted, but there'll be very little power. You know, a, a well-crafted sermon won't convict people of their sins. No, the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sins. Now, I, I will say this, uh, he probably will do it in an expanded way for the well-prepared sermon, you know. But this is very, very important, and I just mentioned that. Number two, the Holy Spirit existed, now look at this, before the beginning. Sometimes we have this idea that, well, on Pentecost, you know, in Acts chapter 2, Jesus told the disciples to wait until the promise of the Father comes. Well, they're back in Acts chapter 2. They're Pentecost. There they are in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit came down. They began to speak in these other languages, not other tongues. That's in Corinthians. In Acts chapter 2, it's languages. All these people were there in Jerusalem. And many of them from this area and that area, they spoke all these different languages. And all of a sudden, they're hearing people speak in languages they had not been taught. This was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Well, but you say, well, that's when the Holy Spirit got here. No, the Holy Spirit's always been here. Now, you might want to make a little note about he existed before the beginning. The Trinity, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Like we have three in one. You say, well, explain that. I just did. And that's the best I can explain it. Uh, In fact, I was listening to John on the radio either today or yesterday or whatever. And he he was explaining the Trinity. And he used a good example. He said, the nearest thing I know to explain the Trinity is an egg. An egg is an egg, but an egg has a shell, and it has an egg white, and it has the yolk. So you've got three things involved in this egg. Well, with God, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. So we have three in one. We don't have three gods. But there's three parts of the Godhead, and we call it the Trinity. Now, hear me very carefully. In the Old Testament, now that's a long time before Acts chapter 2. In the Old Testament, there are hundreds of illustrations that the Holy Spirit existed even before the beginning. In fact, turn back in Genesis chapter 1. Let's do this very quickly. Uh, are y'all interested in this? 
Well, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very excited about it and very enthusiastic about it, <laughs> but I hope, I hope it's more than that. But in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the word for God here is Elohim. And most of the times in the Old Testament, the word for God is plural, not singular, plural. And then he says, uh, the earth was out formed, void, darkness on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God. I'm in verse 2. Well, I've already gotten to verse 1 where it's plural, and I'm in verse 2. Here's Spirit of God. It's a long way before Pentecost, <laughs> before Acts chapter 2. And then if you go down verse number 26, uh, you, you've read this verse in this times. It says, God says, let us make man. What do you mean us? Well, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In fact, over the New Testament, Jesus says, everything that's created was created by me, through me, and for me. So we, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit didn't just show up at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit manifested himself in a new way at Pentecost. For Jesus had now left to go back to heaven, but the Holy Spirit existed before the beginning. Now, uh, number three thing, the Holy Spirit, now this is good, is one of two divine persons praying for us each day. I think if I were you, that would be, if I'd camp out on this number three. You know, don't you appreciate it when people pray for you? Like the lady I was talking to this morning said, I pray for you, Dottie, John, Joel. She named the whole family every day. Been doing it. <laughs> she said, been doing it. I, 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 we were their pastor until 1990. It's 2022. And she and her husband, who's now with the Lord, to think, nothing encourages me more than to think people pray. Can't you just feel it when people are praying for you? Now, let me encourage you. One thing, and I found this to be a great blessing. Many times people share something with us. And we say, we listen, and we say, well, I, 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 I'll pray about that. I'll pray for it. Let me encourage you. Well, do that, but right then, pray with them. I, I've, I've done that so many times, and I find it to be a blessing every time. Somebody just say, Pastor, let me just share a little need right here. Let me share. I, I listen. I say, okay, I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to add that to my prayers, but let's us pray right now. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. You have to pray around the world. Just whatever need they've just shared, you say, well, I, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable doing that. Yes, you will. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> he'll empower you to do that. Now, you have to feel that impression. I'm not, don't, don't do something mechanical, but I'm saying you can bless people. It, it ought to be all over this church, out in the commons. You know, people, we ought to just see people here. You know, just a little, little quick prayer. Jimmy, I think, refers to my prayer like this. On the, he said, Pastor, just on the spot, pray you to death. Well, I, I probably I need to do it more, but it'll bless. Now, here's a big thing, though. <laughs> I don't know who does pray for you, but I know two people they are, and they're both divine, and they pray for you every day. You say, well, who, who are these two people? Well, turn over in Romans real quickly, Romans chapter 8. Uh, we've got to kind of put this thing in high gear. I'm doing good, but I've got, I can't mess around here now. Romans chapter 8. Uh, 
Look with me in verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit mm -hmm, also helps us in our weaknesses. He does. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, Dottie and I had this experience last night. We were discussing a very, a very personal issue last night. And I don't know which one said it, maybe both. But we just finally concluded we don't know what to pray about this. But then this verse, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So every day you and I have the Holy Spirit of God praying for us. Now let me tell you who else we have praying for us. <laughs> this thing, this, it, we have Jesus. You're in Romans chapter 8. Look over, look down in verse 34. It says, uh, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. I'm saying to you people, look, this, this, is, this is worth coming to church to be reminded. You already knew this, I would think. Every day the Holy Spirit of God is praying for you and for me, and Jesus, every day. We have two divine persons. Now, having said that, and I'm going to jump on that again in a moment, we need to join Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we need to pray for our brethren and sisters more than we do. Now, number four, this is my favorite one, and I must not, I've got to get it done. We should thank the Holy Spirit for his love every day. Please write that down. We should thank the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you thanked the Holy Spirit for his love? See, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but maybe you've never thought of it that way. Every day, we should thank the Holy Spirit for what? For his love. Now, let me show you that in the Bible. You're in Romans. Turn over to Romans chapter 15. This is a great verse. This is, oh my, it is a magnificent verse. Romans chapter 15 and look with me down in verse number 30. Now, the apostle Paul is writing. He's in Corinth. He's writing to Christians in Rome that he's never met yet. But he knows about them. And he said, now, I beg you. I think if you have an old King James, it says, beseech. New King James says, beg. Beseech. It's the idea that it's such an earnest thing. It's like he's on his knees begging them. What is he begging them for? Through the Lord Jesus Christ and, now get ready to underline if you underline, through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. He, boy, you talk about a man pouring out his soul. Now this little phrase, through the love of the Spirit. Now listen carefully. It's not talking about their love for the Spirit. It's talking about the Spirit's love for them. You know, like we could say our church has a love, you know, our love for the bridge, or our love for the uh, Sarah's house, or our love for the pregnancy center, or our love for the church in Guadalajara. Okay. But then you could flip that thing around and say, yeah, but the bridge has a real love for us and these others too. Well, here, it's the love of the Spirit. And 
Now you stop and think about it. Every day we should thank God the Father that he loved us so much that he sent his son to, to pay our sin debt. So we ought to thank God the Father for that. Every day we should thank, listen carefully, Jesus who was obedient to the Father that he would get up on the cross, shed his blood to pay our sin debt. Could I have an amen to that? But now think about something. Every day we should thank the Holy Spirit for his love because, see, had it not been for the Holy Spirit to convict us of our lostness, to bring us to our senses, to help us see our sinfulness, we'd all tonight, we'd all be lost. We'd all be lost. It is the power, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that brought you to that point in your life where you realized, I am a sinner. You know, my best works are filthy rags, and we are broken in our sin. Now, God the Father, I thank you, God, for what you did. God the Son, thank you for what you did. God the Holy Spirit, thank you for your love and doing what you have done. And oh, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, let me just wrap up. I have five minutes. I can do it easy. I'm so proud. I'm going to finish. I am so proud. John, you see it can be done. Well, I got to get back. I won't. Now, here's, you know, I, when I looked at all this, I thought, okay, what do we put our hands on here? Well, number one, understand if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You're in Romans. Go back to Romans 8 real quick. I want you to be sure you have it marked. You say, well, I've got a pew Bible. Well, mark it, and whoever picks it up and read it. Romans 8. Look with me in verse 9. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. <laughs> you can be a church member. <laughs> sure, many are. But the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in them. They, they've not either understood or they've not done what Scripture teaches, repent of their sins and put their faith and trust. Now, here's for those, most everybody here tonight is probably a already Christian. I hope if you're not, I pray you'll be before you leave. But listen, assuming we're all Christians, like what does this Bible study have to do with us? Everything. Here's what it is. We need to live our life in such a way that the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who dwells in us, that his power and his influence can do through us what excitement, enthusiasm, cheerleading, <laughs> programs, all this stuff. Look, God may use all that stuff, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you're in church tonight. There was a time in your life, assuming you're saved, that the Holy Spirit convicted you and brought you to your senses. And you said, look, I need something more than church membership. I need Jesus. And when I have him and put my faith and trust in his atoning work on the cross, in me dwells the Holy Spirit. And coming from me, there will be power. See, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you may go to church and you leave. And you think, boy, it just... That's, that, that service, that music, that sermon, it wasn't really too much today. Well, could be. Maybe the singers, maybe the singers weren't right. 
Maybe the preacher wasn't right. Something, some error he's not trusting like he should, whatever it might be, or it could be. I know you don't like to think about this. It could be you came not right. You see, see, many times I've heard powerful messages, but they didn't do anything to me because in me, the Holy Spirit didn't have all of me.